Welcome to Elrod's Educational Lectures. My name is Kevin Reddy. Please enjoy this bonus episode. Team one. Actually, let's start with some of the terms. I've got the terms that are online if you'd like to do this. I'm recording the podcast for side. Why are you putting it like right up there? I don't know what to do. All right, here we go. Let's start with some of the terms here. The Let's go with actually some of the enlightenment people here. Which enlightened thinker was in favor of a three-branch, separate but equal style of republic? He said that was his ideal form of government. Alex? Ah, okay. oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, Montesquieu. Montesquieu. Montesquieu is boy, Kev. Oh, Harvard. 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 Nice. We don't need a big outburst after everyone. But what if it's Kev? Yeah, if it's Kev, 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 you can give him a round of applause. But we're going to treat Kev like everybody else, even though he has a Harvard shirt on. Exactly. He's one of the masses. I am smarter than all of you. He's not wrong. idea that inspired a lot of the Declaration of Independence as far as the idea of natural rights, uh, life, <coughs> property, and um, the idea that the government exists by the consent of the governed and if it is not protecting natural rights, it should be overthrown. That was proposed and supported by which thinker? The idea of natural rights of life, liberty, and property that influenced the Declaration of Independence. And that government exists to protect these rights, and when it doesn't protect these rights, it should be overthrown. Whose ideas were those? All right, Kev. Cavebone. Uh, jeez. Um, Maddie. John Locke. John Locke is right. Ah, that is John Locke. All right, over here. Tell me two of the political thinkers here. Uh, one definitely from the Enlightenment. The other is a little bit pre-Enlightenment, whatever. But give me the two people associated with the social contract theory. They had differing views on the social contract, but both of them spoke of a social contract that existed between groups of people and government and those kind of things. Tell me those two people associated with social contract. One of them wrote a book called The Social Contract. Neither one of you guys was at the top of the 
Wait, which one? One of them wrote the social contract. I know. Are you recording us? Yes. Was it Russo? What do we have? Was it Russo? And Voltaire. No, I no. said all. No one no, listened no, no, to Kevin. No, 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 between the majority of the people and the minority of the people. And the majority in the form of the general will had to look out for the rights of the minority and the minority had to give up some of their rights and things they wanted for the good of the general will. Whereas Thomas Hobbes spoke about a social contract in his book called The Leviathan that existed between the king, the absolute monarch, and the masses of the people. The masses of the people gave up their personal freedoms and liberties and those kind of things, and in return, the king provided a safe, secure nation, an empire, whatever, that protected the rights of the people there. So they give up liberty in return for protection and security. Because Thomas Hobbes was under the assumption that if people are not controlled, chaos and all of the evils of humanity start showing up. He talks about how the most evil thing out there is a group of masterless men, as he calls it. And that's one of the, the worst things that could happen there. So uh, those are the two different types of social contract. Uh, Rousseau talks about it in his book, The Social Contract, and Thomas Hobbes in his book, Leviathan. Yes? Um, Kevin's answers will no longer be acknowledged. All right, and who is your spokesperson? Then? He is our spokesperson. Trevor's your spokesperson. Yes. Okay. We got it. <laughs> All right, over. That was still, so over here. Good morning, fellow podcasters. as the liberator of most of these Latin American revolutionary movements. He helped organize these and led a lot of these. Yeah, I'll just take the last name. That's fine. That will work. Go ahead. Bolivar. Bolivar. Simone Bolivar. All right, over here. Who was the person? He actually was one of the uh, free peoples of color in Haiti who helped organize the slaves into a massive revolution. Because initially the slaves were really just a lot of unorganized revolts and those kind of things. But this guy came in and provided an organization and led the slaves to a successful revolution against the Grand Blocks and those others that are there. I can take last name. That's fine. I'll take that too, I think. All right, go ahead. Um, it's like the Toussaint person. Toussaint L'Overture, that's correct. Toussaint L'Overture. Uh, yeah, T-O-U-S-S-A-I-N-T. And then the last name is L with apostrophe O-U-V-E-R-T-U-R-E. 
right, over here. Which social class organized, orchestrated, led most all of the Latin American revolutions? Which social class? Yes, Latin American revolutions. Against Spain. I don't know this one. Nationalist German unification movement. Hitler. What? The German unification movement. This would have been under your nationalist part of your reading. You mentioned his name once or twice. I was going to say Hitler. Wait, did you know? I was going to say Hitler. Good morning, fellow podcasters. It is the one and only Kevin Reddy and. Huh? Yeah, Trevor's over there too. We're having a pretty good time learning some stuff. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Adam Smith wrote. The Wealth of Nations, in which he proposed what type of economic theory? Wait, who's, who's turn? What approach to economics? That's over here, I'm sorry. in his book, The Wealth of Nations, proposed what type of economic theory? Or what approach to economics? I know. Trevor, have you chosen yet? I have not. Go ahead. Um, Ella. Um, like abolishing mercantilism? Yeah, he was very much against mercantilism and what? Free trade. Free trade. That's the big one there. Laissez-faire, he said, right? Government, leave it alone, let it be, hands off. And the only thing that should govern the economy is what he called the invisible hand. The invisible hand, which is everybody pursuing their own self-interest. That's what mm. the Okay, um, over here. What was the name of the governing body in France? It hadn't really been called together for over a hundred years at this point. That was called together by Louis the Sixteenth to try and help solve the tax problem. Is the name standing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Estates General. The Estates General, that's right. Now, over here. This is your question. How many estates were there in the Estates General? Oh, my God. 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 O
question. How many estates were there in the estates general? Oh, come on. Are you serious? Alright, um, Xavier? Pick Austin. How many? Three. Three is correct. Alright, now, list in order from the first, second, and third states. Don't get double points? Alright, so I need to know who made up the first estate, who made up the second estate. And who made up the third estate? What? <laughs> I don't want to risk it. And it is? Double points. Four double points. <laughs> you guys are lucky. I think we had like five flips today, and all of them were not double points. It's because I'm on the side. <laughs> it's your sweatshirt. It's definitely your sweatshirt. Go ahead, Travis. Choose one. Aristocracy in first, uh, closing in second, and... Oh, so that's already. Yeah. Oh. Gosh. Oh. Don't stand up. Second, second is nobles and That's correct. So we have the clergy first, aristocrats second, and then everybody else. Commoners, bourgeoisie, peasants, urban workers, everything. All right. That's all the third estate. Over here. List in order the three phases of the French Revolution and their corresponding enlightened thinker that goes with each phase. So the age of blank, the age of blank, and the age of blank. And they're aptly named for the enlightened philosoph who inspired the type of government they were pursuing during that phase. Alright, Cy. Oh, actually, maybe Ethan's turn to choose one. Ethan, choose one. Wait, is that Haley. That's right. So the age of Montesquieu, because they were set up a republic, separate but equal branches, three branches. Then the age of Rousseau, because the republic they created there was governed by the general will of the people. And then the age of Voltaire, because Napoleon takes over and it's more of a dictator, enlightened absolutist, as Voltaire would be a proponent of. Rousseau, R-O-U-S-S-E. Alright, Rousseau. That was cute. Over here. Double. Double. Oh, wait, double? Yeah. Since we're down 20 points, can we get two flips? Okay, no. One flip. Right. Yeah, you want two flips? No, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. No, no, no. Damn. No, no, that was a joke. That was a joke. I know, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Oh. Alright. That actually worked out. Fortunately, that it worked. That it fell out. Alright, so. Which group benefited the most from the first phase, the initial phase of the French Revolution? Yeah. 
Alright, where are we here? Travis, have you chosen one yet? Yeah, I just chose. Austin? Kevin. Ah, jeez. He did the, the no look. Uh, no, he did. Uh, was it the bourgeoisie? <laughs> it was the bourgeoisie. Oh, oh my god. Two for two. Yeah. He always has the best. The bourgeoisie were the instigators of the whole revolution. I should have stayed. And they were the ones that were trying to call the shots here in the first phase. Now, for your question over here, what? Did the bourgeoisie want to accomplish what was the number one goal here in this first phase of the revolution? What did they want? Destroyed feelings of their enemies. French Revolution. Alright. Side. Choose one. Yeah, they want a, an equal playing field. Get rid of the aristocratic and clerical privileges. That's what they want. Alright, over here. Double Which? points. Are we double against? Still double points. Still down my board. Still about 20 down. Man, that's what, a, what about that? What about the same clip? Revolution was primarily fought and won by slaves. Oh, we needed the double points on this one. About to give a lot of points back. All right, Ella, choose one. Kevin. Why? Guys, the Haitian Revolution. The Haitian Revolution. I'm on fire. That's three for three. I am the team. Alright, over here. That is twice in a row for Kev, though, so he gets a free stand-up. Oh, you're up, you're up, you're up. Save. God bless me. Can't be stopped. What sentiment or what ideology becomes the strongest during the French Revolution? And it carries over into the Latin American revolutions as well. And it keeps getting stronger and stronger throughout the 1800s. And then into the 1900s and into modern day. What ideology starts here with the French Revolution? Don't pick Alex. He does it so hard. No, no, no. no. All right. Ethan? He fakes it. Um, Nationalism, that's right, nationalism. And it leads to unification in places Republic. like Germany and Italy and what revolutions in some other places there. Nationalism. Oh, Hitler. During which revolution did we see the least amount of real change that took place? Just in general, you had to make a judgment call between the four revolutions that we talked about. We're going to loop all the Spanish American revolutions into one. Which one would you say had the least amount of real change? In 
and you have to weigh the political, social, everything. Madeline, choose one. Can't pick you. I know. <laughs> America? <laughs> it actually was the American. Yes, oh, good oh, job, oh. And let me explain why. And the reason why is because even though there is a new country that's created, the people, the founding fathers, were the same ones that were calling the shots and governing before this whole mess started. They just had a different name for it now, all right? And there's a new country and that kind of stuff, but socially there's zero change whatsoever, really. And the same people are calling the shots and making decisions, so there's not a lot of real change. Whereas the French Revolution, even though it goes back to the same monarchical family, it's a constitutional monarchy instead of a monarchy, but it's the same family there. And the social order has been completely turned over. Feudalism is gone. There's no aristocratic privileges and all these kind of things. The education system has changed, and life and ideals are out there. And so there's still a lot of change with that, even though they went back to the same family. All right, over here. List two causes of the American Revolution. List two causes of the American Revolution. Good Americans that we are. Actually, I'm pretty sure you lose citizenship if you don't. Wait, did you say we don't know this? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. What do you got in there? Oh, not white people. Did I say white people? No. She said Americans. I'm not American. Do you live in America? Were you born in America? Exactly. No. Uh oh. I'm a citizen of America? Yeah. Bingo. American is not a race, it's a nationality. You're Asian, you're not American, obviously. Alright, anyways, over here. Um, Ethan, choose one. Oh, right. oh you did? Alright, Cause it. Ethan? Okay. Um, especially with more taxes because of the British debt. Okay, so you have enlightened ideals and ideologies there. Taxes and the oppression that they're starting to get from Great Britain. Those are two very big ones there. Um, the, uh, you, I think you also mentioned the French and Indian War. You may have said Spanish, but the French and Indian War. And the bankruptcy that's going on there. And then all the new taxes. Taxation without representation there. All right. Um, over here. There's two causes. Of the French Revolution. List two causes of the French Revolution. All right. Um, Maddie. Um, the okay, so French of France is bankrupt, and so he like. 
uh -huh. like that. And then the bourgeoisie was becoming, they were more educated, so they were more informed about enlightened ideals. Okay, so enlightened ideals. Bourgeoisie wanted equal playing field with the other two classes, the two classes above them, clergy and aristocrats. And France was bankrupt. The people were going broke and couldn't afford their lifestyles. Rising bread prices, all that kind of stuff. Inflation and everything. All right, good. So two causes there. All right, over here. The Enlightenment time period saw a decline in people's loyalty to what? Saw a decline in people's loyalty to what? What's a tie game? All right, Katie. Um, the like the king, like the leader. No, not necessarily. In some places, it may have done that, but not everywhere. Remember, Voltaire was all about the king. I knew that. I'm a genius. <laughs> the, church. the church and religion and organized religion, particularly the Roman Catholic Church. Not only are people that are above 5'8 taller, they're also smarter. <laughs> Most. Most. Attaboy, K-Mode. I'm going to talk that trash. Watch this. Yeah, this is how confident I So, when you look at... <laughs> So Adam Smith is a proponent of what type of economics? Did you say proponent? A proponent. In support of. Economics. But. Um, no, it's not his turn. You go after Sydney. Free trade, laissez-faire, any of those would have worked. Alright, over here. She didn't pick me, what the heck? I have something. No. Hey, don't worry about it. Who first banned the slave trade? across the Atlantic Ocean. Who was the first to do that? As in what nation, what country? Leaders in the abolitionist movements. Guys, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be Haiti? Uh, no, it was no, the British. No. It was the British. That is right. It was the British. Podcasters, uh, just disregard what I just said there. <laughs> I said Haiti. <laughs> what was the reign of terror? Which social class reigned during the reign of terror? And who was the leader of the reign of terror? So, three part question. Wait, it's not a question. That has a three part answer. No, two or three. Do what? If we get 
get two parts. I'll your points for this. Oh, and then divide it by three. <laughs> that equals one. Good math. That's all right for me. What? If we get two parts, is that correct? Or like good enough? Huh? If we get two parts, is that good enough? It's all or nothing, dude. All or nothing. Three, three. All right. Um, so it's not real. We're winning. Um, it was the peasants. Rain. What about the part? Who was the actual leader of it, and what was the reign of terror? Oh, it was when they revolted against the aristocrats, and the leader was the French dude. <laughs> you were, you were describing the great fear. The reign of terror, though, over here, talk about it. And then Ella is your spokesperson. That's the great was, fear. That's the great fear. It was led by radicals. Well, not all of us the great fear, but some of it. Like the main people were radicals and then the leader was Robespierre. What social class? Radical bourgeoisie. This is no. Wait, are you sure it's radical? I'm pretty sure it's a radical. I'm pretty sure it's a radical bourgeoisie. Pretty sure it's radical bourgeoisie. Are you sure? Trev, go. Go. Robespierre. 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 What? Not even close. Do you repeat the other two parts? No. All right. Just say bourgeoisie. No, you can't talk to Kevin. Say bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie. No. All right. So. Silas told me that. Reign of Terror was when they guillotined a lot of people and spread the terror there. It was orchestrated by the urban working class, oh. which we also call the sans culotte in Paris. So I would have said Parisian urban workers. So Anything with urban in it. And peasants are not <laughs> peasants are not urban, they're in the rural areas. And they were not in favor of the reign of terror. Alright, but y'all were mainly describing the great fear. And then it was Maximilian Robespierre that led it. Robespierre. Robespierre led it. Robespierre. Maximilian Robespierre. Alright. Um, Nobody got the point. Alright. As a general rule here, the peasant classes often revolt against which other class? When you're looking at peasants and the di social dynamics of most often, who are they revolting against most often? Particularly in a feudal society. Go ahead. Yes, the aristocratic nobility class. That's right, the landowners, because the peasants work the land. All right, over here, team one. One of the two names of the people who led the peasant revolt in Mexico that initiated the Mexican Revolution. One of the two guys that led that revolt. 
know the guy's first name? Yeah, I would need last names, I think, here. Are you up or no? Yes. All right, so we have you said one person. I'll take one of the two, yes. Um, Trevor. It was like Ruiz, right? No. Dude, it's definitely. <laughs> 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 I use cereal pasta podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hidalgo is one, and then Morelos is the other. Morelos is the other. Hidalgo. I was about to say same. Right, Hidalgo was the other. All right. Like, no, That's wrong. Over here. What was the major reason that these new democratic republics prospered in North America but struggled in Latin America? Because we see them really being successful with the North Americans but not in Latin America. What's the major reason for that? For the republics not being successful in Latin America, but being successful in North America. Okay. Christian. They got it. She got us good right there, boys. Of Latin America. <laughs> the pressure was on. The whole social system of Latin America for the whole age of mercantilism was set up to where things were dictated to them from the peninsulari class straight from Spain. The same was true in the French areas with the intendant system. But in North America, they had been operating their own governments and operating their own trade agreements and all these kind of things for a long time. And this whole idea of salutary neglect that um, didn't exist in many other places. So they had a good amount of autonomy, which is why when the British tried to crack down, that's why they went haywire anyways, because they didn't like that. So they already were used to self-governing. All right, last question for both teams. All right, last question for both teams. What are you doing? He's just stretching. That's all we've got. Easy one. <laughs> All right. What was a common theme or a common root for all of the Atlantic revolutions?
Alex, choose one. Oh, there you go. Um, Kevin. Oh my ah. <laughs> so it's looking a little questionable. Um, was it Enlightenment Ideas? It was! It was. <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! This is a fire! Is that chaperone knowledge? Did you need? I was actually... That was the best Three people stand up. What type of man. government Fearless. did the bourgeoisie class Always pursue when they were successful in the revolution. Travis, they need you. Travis, they need you. What type of government? Travis, they need you. No! No! No, no, I need silence. What type of government? This is for a tie. Alright, Kelsey, I'll buy you a cookie. Hello, my name is Xavier Lynch. Thank you for listening to this bonus edition.